Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU football podcast. Uh, I am one of the hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined uh, as usual, I guess maybe because not always, by uh, uh, Brady, Matt, and Allen. Uh, we have a very long laundry list of uh, topics to go through. Uh, and during the season, we're mainly talking about football games, football games that we've watched, football games that are coming up. Uh, this is the main bulk of what we do, and it's also the stuff we like talking about. Uh, we have a lot of in-depth interviews uh, on the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Um, if you just want to hang out with us on the public feed, that's fantastic, too. And the way that we're able to do that is because we're sponsored by Vanessa House, uh, also sponsored by Scratch K- Kitchen and Cocktail, and new sponsor, Spirit Shop Norman. They deliver. If you're at a tailgate and it's starting to wind down, hit up Spirit Shop. They're going to bring you out the good stuff. Hopefully something brewed from Vanessa House, so on and so forth, and keep the ecosystem alive. Uh, But let's just jump into it. Brady, we watched the game together. We're in the stadium. I'm assuming you've you've gotten over some of the angst from the uh, no-cap recap uh, that we uh, hit recorded on Sunday. How are you feeling now having uh, some, some time to breathe about it? Well, I'm I'm back to normal. Um, I've listened to all the propaganda podcasts about how actually, guys, uh, SMU's defense is really really good. They're a really good football team. You know, none of these things that I I knew prior to the game. So I'm willing to bet that 28 points was more than what we could have asked for uh, realistically as fans. You know, like would I like OU to win 100 to nothing every game? Of course, of course, I'd love that. But um, I guess, but in in terms of reality, no, like. I was pleased with the defense in the moment. I was pleased with the defense on the no cap recap, um, which you can uh, <clears throat> hear on patreon.com slash the keel. <laughs> um, and I, I'm still pleased with it. Um, I I think as we've had a little bit more time to like, I don't know. I don't know about, don't know about you guys. I've watched the highlight videos like three or four times since Saturday. Um, 40, 50 I get, times. <laughs> I, I get, I'm getting more and more excited about Danny Stutzman, and his development. I'm getting more and more excited about uh, the kids, Kobe McKenzie, uh, Kip Lewis. I'm getting more and more excited about um, uh, like Justin Harrington, even at the cheetah position. I'm getting more and more mm-hmm. excited about Peyton Bowen. And, and I know there is a rumor out there about Justin Harrington. I'm sure we'll get there um, in, a, in a little bit. But um, the defense is finally going in that direction of not only are they – making the right plays they they're pop the defense is populated now by guys that can make winning plays and they can make game breaking plays and so that that's been exciting 
And the longer that I've gotten away from the game on the offensive side, I get more and more impressed with how Dylan Gabriel kind of managed that game. He did exactly what I want him to do. He did not force the issue. I think even as many questions as we have with this team and especially offensively, I think, oh, you can manage their schedule for the most part when nine or 10 games, if Dylan Gabriel just takes care of the football and makes the right decision. Um, some of those games might be maddening like the SMU game was, but um, at the end of the day, if OU wins, then OU wins, and that's all that really matters. Uh, you know, yeah, OU winning and all that matters. Hopefully we continue that theme on. Uh, and if you were a, a, a bigger fan of the analytical models and stuff showing like success rates and efficiency rates, um, and you're, if you follow up Parker on a Twitter, former friend of the podcast, maybe he's still a friend, I'm not entirely for sure. He hasn't been in a long, long, long time. Uh, it has, has the graph showing how bad a team beat somebody. And OU, apparently, according to, you know, net success rate, performed fairly well against SMU in, you know, in the more than the top half of the winning teams. Uh, like, I think if you look at the Texas-Alabama game, it looked like Texas was kind of beating, you know, just beating up on Alabama. But if, if you look at that model, they're just like one-to-one because it's Texas had two big plays <laughs> and that kind of was the difference. Uh, OU had a really good job of, even though, uh, as Alan mentioned, his write-up was a three-point game late uh, in the early in the fourth. Well, you did a pretty decent job just holding SMU at arm's length the entire time. But Alan, you know, you, you had your, your some musings that you posted on there. I mean, what are your general overall thoughts of the, about the SMU game um, and, and you know walking out of it for OU? Yeah, you know, if you uh, were one of our supporters on Patreon.com/slash through the keyhole, uh, you might have already read what I have to say about this. But uh, no, I think that. I think that when you look at the lower levels of the mid-tier conferences, you know, the group of five, SMU's considered to be, you know, one of the better teams out there, right? So, I mean, in that respect, uh, you know, it's a good win. Um, I don't think, though, that this is a particularly strong crop of those kinds of mid-major teams. And so in that regard, um, you know, you would have liked to have seen more dominance. I don't think there's any way around that. Um, but you know, uh, I thought that the defensively, there's really not much more you can ask for. I mean, I thought that they were good just about everywhere, maybe a still little soft against the run, but for the most part, pretty strong. Um, you know, the offensive side of the ball, it seems to me like more so than like play calling or anything like that. There are just a lot of questions at this point about personnel. Um, and, you know, you look at it, the running back rotation, you know, it kind of reminded me, a uh, kid I knew in college, you know, uh, he walked on the basketball team and he's out there, you know, during practice and, uh, you know, they're, you know, you walk on, he's there to, you know, give the, give the stars a look or whatever. But I mean, he's out there gunning Jack and he's, you know, and the coach stops in the middle. He's like, listen, BJ, that was the kid's name, BJ, I recruit kids from all over the country. They come here to shoot. You don't need to be shooting. Like that's kind of the way I felt like watching Tawi Walker run. And that's not to dog him by any stretch, but it's more like you got these all these other guys who are, you know, I think have a much higher ceiling. Um, you know, why aren't they getting the ball more? That's that's kind of what I, I, I look at it. You know, same thing kind of maybe with personnel on the offensive line. Some of the calls you wonder, you can say it's easy to look at and say, okay, well, this play works great. You know, if so-and-so doesn't miss this block, well, how many times in practice has he missed that block? I mean, are you asking him to do stuff that he can't do? You know, that those are the kinds of questions that I, that 
come come across but for the most part like i don't know i like i like physical running football like and maybe it's an aesthetic choice on my part but like to that end i really liked what i saw you know i i I enjoyed watching this game yeah i mean i I thought i was on the island who liked or maybe you don't i'm a big fan of michigan's offense for that style i mean they're they're running the football. They're using tight ends, and you'll know, have the H backs. It just has. It's to me. It's it's beautiful caveman football. <laughs> uh, at times, it doesn't it limit itself. Sure. Um, the the issue I came across. I guess we'll continue talking about the, the offense. I will uh, on Wednesday's film review, which I, I think I don't know if we've if, if we've mentioned it yet, but that that will be over on Patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, Wednesday's uh, film review. I want to talk about the defense because while the defense did perform very well, I believe they had eight to nine. Uh, plays that they gave up of 15 or more yards uh, against a quarterback that isn't his first year starter. That may be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> and they play against a really good team uh, in a couple weeks uh, down in Dallas uh, who may be able to take care of uh, or take really advantage of that. Uh, you know, of this past weekend, OU would give up a big play and then completely clamp them down after that. Those big plays could become touchdowns uh, if you play against a team that is uh, not. SMU's level of uh, of talent uh, uh, at that point in time, but neither here nor there. Uh, offensively, I mean, I do, I, I, I do think you're right on that. And to me, it's not Talia Walker. I think anytime he's out there, he's performed. Uh, I, I'm just going yeah, to be, uh, you know, I hate. I'm just going to be a complete hater on uh, the in-state boy. Uh, I, I'm just not sure why Major is getting carries. Maybe he's good at understanding the plays and a good pass catcher out of the backfield, but actually running the football, it's just not quite there. Uh, I, I think I have a larger concern about the game plan Oklahoma had for SMU. Now, they were able to run the ball out. Even even the uh, the three and outs they had, I think the, the shortest possession they had was a, like a minute 53, which if they had some minute 53s against Texas Tech and West Virginia last year on their three and outs, they probably win those games. So that that was nice to see. They weren't just like 32nd and then get the ball right back to the offense. Um but it seems so unimaginative watching that run game against you know against Arizona uh, sorry Arkansas State they had multiple plays where uh, Petaway's in the backfield Barnes is out wide Barnes then you know orbits into the backfield and they hand the ball off to Petaway I mean like there's stuff you can do in the running game to kind of shake some people loose and my assumption is that the staff this is me completely completely assuming I obviously have no idea whatsoever this the staff saw SMU and said we should be able to, we should be fine running the, the four run place, you know, <laughs> and, and should be okay at that point in time. And they were, they covered, uh, Alan, I don't know when the last time you remember, OU covering and hitting the under, uh, that, that seems <laughs> wild to me, but I mean, they, they proved themselves. And when Levy felt some pressure, like you mentioned, uh, what you wrote up, you know, three point game really late, uh, they just walked down the field and score twice. And you know, that was that, uh, it, it let you kind of know it's like, um, OU could have scored much sooner. It, it almost feels like they could have tried some stuff, and maybe that's kind of the frustrating part of it. And then the over reliance on, um, I think Brady was calling him six foot, but six foot one, two hundred and five pound freshman he's quarterback. Not, he's not to six be to be belldozer. Yeah. Uh, just seems it, amazing to me, and just seems completely foolhardy to me to use him in that way. I, his high school tape, he is an inside runner. But he's the inside runner out of like the ten formation and stuff like that, where he's got four wide and he's you know he's not running. It's a stacked box. It just seems crazy to do that. 
And I've got people on Twitter saying, well, he's doing that to set up a play later. I'm like, if you can figure that out, <laughs> uh, Mr. Guy on Twitter, yeah, right? you think all the other coaches would go, oh, shit, I never thought of that. I mean, it, it's, thought, it's idiotic in my you opinion. Eric's if you thought Eric Gray's interception in the Cotton Bowl last year was more laugh out loud than what is coming, when Jeff <laughs> Levy inevitably says, I've got it, finally. I've been setting this up for months. And then, oh, God, he threw it right into double coverage because I told him you will throw the ball. Yeah, this yeah. is this, this will now be the third OU podcast that has mentioned that, by the way. So again, if all us dumbass podcasts <laughs> all of us like, can figure yeah. it out. Um speaking of Jeff Levy, um do you guys want to get mad at him for another thing that has nothing to do with his father-in-law? Sure. I love it. Okay. Love getting mad at people. So, so because of his um his statement yesterday um that took away all the the headlines from everything else that he talked about. Um, he got asked about that uh, third and seven um, play where Gavin Sawchuck got his one token carry. And uh, I mean, Alan, this is kind of going into your conversation of just kind of like the philosophy behind the game plan. Um, not necessarily having 47 or so rush attempts. I, I think they had about 40, anywhere from 41 to 47. It's not that, oh, you ran the ball a lot. It's just the personnel and the time and place of a lot of these run calls. So there was that third and seven. Gavin Sawchuk gets the uh, handoff. He goes out for one yard, and then OU runs out midfield to punt. The stadium, the, and Pate and I are there. We're up in the upper deck. Uh, very audible boos can be heard inside the stadium when that happened. So he got, Levy got asked about that third and seven, and this was his quote. Really liked the run we, we were in right there. Got a chance to actually have a big one but definitely should have been at minimum fourth and two where we're going to go for it and we don't get it executed. So that was something that was obviously frustrating in the moment. So let me get this straight, dude. You're blaming the fucking players for that stupid play call on third and seven with a running back who hadn't sniffed the ball in the entire season. Great. That that was great play design. And like no one saw it coming. I, I can't believe in that instant, he decided to throw the players under the bus. And I'm sure there might have been a missed block or two, but guess what? That's going to happen. And at that point in the game, SMU had gained enough confidence and momentum to be like, hey, we've been stopping them for two quarters. We can we can do this, guys. If they're going to hand the ball off, that's a white flag to us. Like, we're going to get the ball back. I'm sorry. Like, that. that's silly. And... I think I mentioned it to you, Alan, on your post um, in the comment section. Again, it, it has little to do with the rush attempts. It's who's getting the ball. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but if Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes are, quote, banged up and we're trying to, quote, acclimate them back into football, you don't use a competitive game to do that. If OU was up four touchdowns, yeah, give them a play or two to kind of get their feet back under him. Not in a competitive game where you could very well lose. So... I don't know what the hell's going on in his brain. I don't know. I, I it, it's definitely a choice to blame the players in that situation. But hey, you know he's a he's a coaching guru.
Enjoy great food and drinks at the original Norman Hotspot and its first cocktail bar. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails is our choice for quality meals and drinks to enjoy the next time you're looking for a great night out. With locations in historic downtown Norman on Main Street and the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma fans from all over the metro can enjoy Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Also, be sure to pick up or ask about Scratch's ready-made old-fashioned cocktail at your local wine and spirit store. Take the best Scratch concoction home to sit on your lounge chair and continue listening to this episode scratch kitchen and cocktails great food drinks and atmosphere i i will say to to maybe to to, to paint a different picture of that it wasn't too long ago we were all screaming at lincoln rally for not running the football because they only had one healthy running back so i mean if you know they're like saving kennedy brooks and trying to get him back and like oh he just was not kind of running the football until he gets all the way up there if if barnes and Sawchuck really are one and two and they really are banged up I'm at least happy to see that they're not breaking the, you know, the offensive system and, you know, offensive uh, identity. Would I love to see it reform a little bit better across the board? Yes. Should Tommy, if that's going to be planned, should Tommy Walker get every rush basically? <laughs> uh, yes. At that point in time, I, I get it. Um, it. It just seems, it's just frustrating in, in the moment. And, you know, I, I obviously mirror that just, just see some of that stuff. Um, I don't know. There's just ways of, of manufacturing yards, in my opinion, and you see other offensive coordinators do it. You see Jeff Lebby do it in the same game, where it's like those are just free yards to be for the taking. Just uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a football guy at this point in time. So uh, overall frustration. If you guys want to hear more, we have the no cap recap and then Alan's thoughts on it as well. Over on again, again, I, I can't remember if we've mentioned it or not, but over on the Patreon.com/slash through the keyhole, uh, going to plug it in for the first time in the, in the recording. Uh, but there was also other football games that happened over the week. Uh, Alan, you, you had the uh, what I thought was going to be the headliner, but it, you know, I think I picked the head, the real headliner. But you've got a uh, Texas Alabama. Uh, what what did you see from that game other than Texas uh, proved proved me right? I think I was uh, on, maybe on an island here on the podcast picking uh, Texas over Bama about a month ago. Yeah, you might. I think you probably were, but that was uh, you know, I mean. It's a great win for Texas. There's absolutely fantastic no around yeah. that. Like you, you can't like you know you can be a hater as much as you want, but there's no denying that. I mean, going to Tuscaloosa, I think like they haven't lost by double digits there since like the early 2000s. I mean, all in all, it, that's a great win. Uh, you know, and it it kind of it really showed that Texas has you know from a roster standpoint really built things up there. I think there's probably going to be some overreaction to yeah. the win in turn because uh you mentioned i mean essentially like i mean i went back and watched it and texas got huge plays on first down basically around midfield they come out in, in a tight formation and you know alabama keyed run they threw deep and got got guys open got real favorable matchups that was how they scored right and like Clearly, that's the same way that Tennessee scored on Alabama also. I mean, taking advantage in running situations of going deep, right? So, like, to a degree, it, I mean, it could just be that the book is out on Alabama's defense yeah. in a turn tendencies. Um, so, you know, that's not necessarily going to work against every team you play. Um, you know, it's a good way to – it was a good way to maybe minimize whatever weaknesses you felt like you had there um, on the interior – you know, in terms of blocking, because I, I don't think that Texas still runs the ball particularly well at all. 
then you know in terms of game flow i mean the the, uh, the interceptions that no wrote through yeah. so so bad and they set texas up so well for for easy points and you know two fumbles uh on texas part they fall on both of them one of them they pick up and run for a four, for a first down on a fourth down play like those are those are fortunate those are fortunate breaks and it doesn't it doesn't diminish the quality of the win to say like not all that's replicable week to week to week and so you know against better teams texas might not be able to do the same things i guess be the way to put it so you're saying against better like better than alabama teams against <laughs> i don't mean better i don't mean a team better than alabama i mean the better teams on their schedule right oh, okay. I mean? okay so uh, yeah, one of the reasons why I was I was on Texas on this is because I felt like Alabama's offense was is freshman Jalen Hurts' offense, and I think college football has left that era behind. It, it, you know, it, what was that six years ago, seven years ago, something like that? That's basically a, an entire generation at this point in time when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I thought it's like, hey, oh, Bama's just not going to have the firepower if Texas can connect with some of these skill guys downfield. And that's what happened. And then, and then pair that with the fact that, you know, Jalen Hurts just did not throw interceptions. That was his gig. <laughs> his gig was to run it and not throw interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. This cat runs it and throws interceptions. So it's like, oh, so you already are limiting yourself because you don't have the big play potential and you're turning the football over. Yeah. It doesn't, right. didn't seem like it had enough to kind of get over the hump. Yeah. I mean, Tommy Reese, I felt like put Milrow in some bad spots. Throwing yes. And, uh, you know, the other thing too, though, is like Alabama's receivers – Compared to some of the guys that Norman put out, Julio mm-hmm. Jones, Devontae Smith, Jalen Wall, all those guys, like these dudes, man, are not in that league at all. Really, the running backs aren't up to stuff either. Do we think? Do uh, let me let me. I'm gonna throw this over to to Matt. He's been silent this entire time. Uh, uh, Shihan Jaharaha had a. I said that right. Had a, uh, a interesting tweet about uh, about talent disparity and why teams like uh, Georgia and Alabama may not be like one and two completely above the rest of the world. Is that A and M is basically signing all the good teams, all the good yeah. players, and then putting them in like West Russia <laughs> to not perform. Uh, do you have? Do you think that? Do you think? Do you think it's just maybe just a simple case of just resources? Like the is Alabama and Georgia used to get. You know, and Ohio State would just get everyone, period, and everyone. But you have Alab, you know, you've got A and M now, butting their head in there. I think Godfrey had a great line in his Washington uh, Post article. You know, a billionaire's reach of a pauper's grasp. Uh, fantastic line. Uh, basically, just fucking up, fucking you know, fucking it up for the Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Do you think there's anything to that? I mean, maybe not having the 100 million percent talent disparity uh, in some of these games. Right. Yeah, they still get. Uh, they still get their fair share. Absolutely. Bama yes, and Georgia yeah. do. Um, but yeah, shout out to uh to Jimbo Fisher taking a, just dipping his toe in a little bit and doing nothing with it. So <laughs> I think that's a, that's a win. That's a win-win for everyone, right? Take a hit uh for Georgia and Alabama, uh, and then they don't really do anything in Texas AM except for get paid, which is fine. That's their that's their bag then. That's that's cool. I don't know, I that's kind of a perfect segue not to steal anybody's uh, thunder here because I, I didn't put it in here but my game of the week was uh, Texas A&M <laughs> getting their ass kicked by Miami and I love to see it I actually well, I actually thought my or I thought A&M was going to win this one I thought they looked good in week one like I thought Connor Wagman uh, made some good throws I was like Texas A&M quarterback hasn't made a throw like this 
since uh, Johnny Manziel. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll bite the cheese a little bit. And uh, shout out to Jimbo Fisher, man. Uh, the past three years at Texas A&M, he's 14 and 12. Oh, yeah. you just, you really love to see it. He's 40 and 22 overall. So he is basically just doing his best to just replicate uh, the entire history of Texas A&M football. It's just, be you know, 40 and 22 just be pretty good some years and pretty bad most years. It's awesome. Good for Jimbo <laughs> Fisher, man. Good well, for as, as some as some quant dude though pointed out to me on on Twitter <laughs> yesterday, you know, the, uh, back to the success rate thing. You know, it was oh, pretty, yeah. actually pretty even, which is like, again, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Okay, uh, I I bring those points up a lot, but like when you're constantly, oh, we're playing them pretty tight, we're playing them even, and losing by two touchdowns, like, great. Like, what the fuck does that do for me as a fan? Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, great. Yeah. It's like all those all those defensive linemen working out. I mean. Take away the sack yards, right? That Miami yeah. only ran. Miami only ran for like, what is it, eighty nine yards? So oh, yeah, doing doing well yeah, in the run game. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke threw for three hundred and seventy four yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. and He's still a about jag me. like his yeah. entire time, you know, like right, exactly. You know. I mean, it reminds me of it reminds me of like the Nebraska stuff where it's like, yeah, we're losing, but man, then the the athletic department, they cash an $80 million check. I mean, that's fantastic. (laughs) You should see it. You should see the stuff they're putting into the facilities. But Brady also had this game. Brady, what was your take on the, uh, the, uh, the Aggies and the Hurricanes? Is it, is it possible to feel bad for Bobby Petrino? Because he's going to get blamed (laughs) for this. That's the only reason why he was hired. Yeah. 100 is the only reason why he's hired. Hired a scapegoat. scapegoat. I mean, Matt, you, you, you gave Wagman a shout out. That dude's, throwing the ball six every time he throws the ball at six yards downfield that offense sucks and i mean it's a tribute it's a tribute to the talent on their roster because their offense sucks and they can still score like with the best of them uh but just not consistently like a&m's offense like as frustrating as levy has been to me like they're they're just so unimaginative it's it's like they it's like jimbo fisher just decided at one point I want to run the most boring offense because that's the only way I, I can get respected is as long as I'm not like a gimmicky raid guy, I will get respected. And maybe that will help with recruiting. And I don't know. Like, I, I just don't understand how you can be viewed as an offensive coach and have this shitty output. Um, Now, Miami, like the Miami side of this is interesting to me because they they were kind of in the same boat as us in that first year head coach, um, great recruiting class, uh, a few good recruiting classes building up, not necessarily uh, going into last year, but certainly into this year. Um, but whereas OU was like, you know, close in most of their losses and 1.2 of them were without their starting quarterback and Dylan Gabriel, um, Miami was getting destroyed last year. They were a bad, 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 bad football team. And I was curious to see what their jump was going to be like in a comparable conference. I mean, you, we can debate back and forth whether whether or not the best teams in the Big 12 are better than the best teams in the ACC or whatever. But, um, I mean, Miami thus far has uh, – they've passed the test. OU has a lot of great pieces of evidence to support the fact that they have gone in the right direction. But destroying a and you know, it's like, yeah, in, at home that you're, you won, you did what you were supposed to do. But doing it in the fashion that they did, especially with Van Dyke just being efficient, 
Um, I believe his completion per, um, or yards per completion was like 12 or 13 yards. So their offense is moving and they've got talent. Like they, they kind of look like, like at least offensively at the skill position, they kind of give you some little flashes of some earlier in the 2000s, great Miami teams that just had guys that outrun everybody. And they did that against as a roster that we all agree has a lot of dudes on it. So um, really good win for Miami. The ACC is pretty good this year. So um, anytime we see A&M lose, it's great because, you know, OU has lost a handful of recruiting battles um, against them. And I think, guys, I might have said this to you, Peyton, in the stadium, like at some point, having all the money in the world just won't matter in every recruiting battle. Like it's, if they keep doing this, if they keep sucking at some point, it just won't matter. And like the, the high end four stars or even like the David Hickses might say, I don't want to go get embarrassed. Like I'll take a $10,000 NIL pay cut and go somewhere else that I won't get drug on Twitter for, if that makes sense. I want to apologize to Brady. I did not see on the rundown that he had this game. So I'm sorry for stepping on, on toes. Um, but I will say, uh, last thing uh, about the Aggies, uh, I pointed out this maybe nightmare scenario yesterday on the radio. If if you're A&M, why don't you, yeah, swallow it, pay the 76 whatever million dollars? Why not go hire Deion right. Sanders? I knew right. it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a nightmare scenario. Why not go hire <laughs> Deion Sanders? I think there's. I think there are. I think there's some reasons why the uh, A&M wouldn't do it. Uh, there's one big reason. I can think right, of a yeah, big because, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I think I we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Uh, setting yeah. that aside, could you imagine Dion with just unlimited resources too? The, the unlimited resources that A&M does have. That's a nightmare yeah. scenario, yeah. which I hope does not ever happen. I've seen, and yeah, we're going to talk, I guess the game I picked was Colorado, uh, Nebraska. And I saw that some, some people say that on a, about this, like if Dion wins big, what happens if he goes to Alabama or something like that? If, you know, Saban goes, and I was thinking like, why is like somebody's like, then they're naming like, you know, like Notre Dame, Alabama, like these huge, huge, huge programs who may want to continue their success or like go over them. I'm like, these people have no idea how college football works. If they're thinking Dion's going to go to Notre Dame or go to Alabama, I mean, the people just would not do that. Like, what's wrong? Like, Florida State, sure, because he was there. You know, <laughs> you would have to get like a. And again, I'm not in Colorado. was in a different spot, and and Dion has proven a, a lot of people wrong so far about his coaching ability and his acumen of hiring assistant coaches. And that, to me, is a better indicator of a coach if. If the people you hire <laughs> can help you do stuff well, I mean, that, that's, that's a hard part of it. Uh, but uh, Colorado, Nebraska pulled in the second most viewers uh, of the, of the weekend, I believe just shy under Texas, Alabama, which is kind of crazy to see. I believe they said it was like the uh, number one PAC 12 rated game on Fox ever, or within like the top five. Um, Deion Sanders is a one man band when it comes to generating uh, college football media and college football content. And, you know, this game, which I, I did see it a lot as well. Uh, shout out to Red Dirt Sports, who had picked uh, Nebraska. Him and Allen were on the, the wrong side of history there. Uh, basically saying, like, the defensive line, offensive line for Nebraska should eventually just wear Colorado down. Uh, and I, I I think most people thought that because Colorado does not have a great offensive line or a great defensive line. <laughs> uh, and going into the second half, 
I mean, I think the first half it was like seven three or something like that. Is and then the avalanche happened because a couple of big plays started happening, uh, and Colorado somewhat justified themselves via the big play, uh, saying this is what we can do. And now people are really circling, uh, you know, USC Colorado uh, from that perspective. I know, but it's going to be another. Uh, uh, Fox should just stay in Boulder. They should just why leave uh, to stay in Boulder and say every they're, every eleven a.m. games happening right here. There, yeah, big big noon Saturday is there, and game day is there this week. Both of them. Who they played this week? Colorado, Colorado State. State. See, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it just doesn't matter. It's just Dion <laughs> at that point in time. But they, it was it was nice to see Nebraska. Like I have Colorado. I have I have a couple friends who are Colorado fans. Beating the ever-loving hell out of Nebraska brought a certain amount of joy to them, which I didn't know was possible to other human beings. I mean, it was like, this is wild to see that. Because I'm used to seeing Oklahoma. I mean, they've beat, in my lifetime, they've beaten Texas worse than they've ever beaten Texas before in the history of that program, <laughs> in the history of the stuff that, you know, it's like, what was it, 63-13 and stuff like that? Like, just huge, massive beatdowns. I've seen it. I've seen Oklahoma just completely you know, dog walk Oklahoma State and Nebraska themselves and Colorado. I've seen it happen. I've seen how you get hit. But, I mean, as a Colorado fan, it's been 20 years of, well, this is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and now you finally, you can just, uh, you, you can just clear your throat as a, as a, as a you know, Buffalo fan um, for the first time and, you know, a very, very long time. That one odd year in 2016, I think, maybe 2015, where they had a really good secondary with uh, McIntyre. Uh, so it, it's fantastic for them, but rule, I don't know. I, I thought maybe Alan and, and maybe if, if you can maybe like point to maybe his time at, at a Rutgers or Baylor, if, if you can think about it from an OU perspective or just maybe college football perspective, I forgot rule first year rule is just like bottom of the barrel bad. Like it always is just dreadful. Then year two, they win a decent amount of games, but I mean, this is how much, how much patience would you have to be to be a Nebraska fan just to keep selling that place out at this point in time? Yeah, a great question. No, that's you hire bad rule when you really like are like, okay, we are tearing this down. You build it back up. Like that's what he did at Temple. That's what he did at Baylor. And I mean, like he was able to do it to his credit fairly quickly, but year one is like, no, you're you're not making any kind of accommodations, like in the sense of trying to win this week. It's all about like we are setting, we are setting the table. We're spending twelve games doing that. We're going to suck bad, you know. I mean, and that's that's kind of what what you what you hire rule to do. Um, so he'll get he'll get there. I mean, but it's going to there'll be some beatings this year. And the real problem with that team at this point is. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, Sims is so – I mean, it's not just – not necessarily that he's bad so much as he's so careless with the ball. Like, they really should – I honestly think Nebraska should have dominated them on Saturday, but Sims Mm -hmm. made so many of those ball-like mistakes. Just simple simple stuff, putting it on the turf that, like, you, you just can't win that way. The Spirit Shop has been Norman's source for wine, beer, and spirits since 1976. We feature the biggest selection and best prices in town. Thousands of different wines, beers, spirits, and more. Live in Norman? We deliver all over town, every day, usually in under an hour. Let us bring the party to you. Go to our website and order online at www.thespiritshop.org. 
or give us a call at 405-321-3100. That's 405-321-3100. In from out of town for the game, come see us at the corner of Main and Barry, just two miles east of I-35. Take the Main Street exit and browse thousands of fine wines and hard-to-find bourbon in store. And also, I mean, you know, it's almost kind of like, do we need to check that dude's DraftKings profile? I mean, like, like what's yeah. going on there? Just to a certain degree. I mean, I know that's going to be a joke for the for the rest of the college football year at least, but yeah, it, it's just bottom of the barrel. Like this is just bad. And and now you've got, you know, do they have another chance? I mean, obviously they're. I don't know. I won't say obviously. I mean, there's obviously potential for them to win a game, <laughs> but they're not playing like they've got like they've got the ability to win a game. Uh, I don't know if they play Northwestern or not, so maybe that would be a win if they do. Uh, <laughs> if they have to play any talented team, it's just going to be hell on you know hell. And then I don't know. Colorado's already getting like top twenty five rankings, and OU's like not ranked in some stuff. And obviously, it's early season rankings, so those are worth literally nothing. <laughs> uh, but Man, if, if Dion can win, I remember thinking if they can win three games, it's going to be a, a massive success. Now it looks like, what, six? I mean, maybe it's like the Kansas year last year, or it's like, okay, wow, maybe they are going to go bowling or something. Uh, it just seems kind of wild from that perspective. I'll be very impressed if they win and win convincingly this week, just because they, yeah. had, the, they had the emotional big season opener against TCU. Okay. And then they kind of had like the good fortune that Nebraska was week two because that's a rivalry game. And Deion Sanders was very adamant about like, I get it like the entire week. Like I I'm not familiar with Colorado or its history. I'm not familiar with this part of the country in terms of like the old big eight and those rivalries, but I get it. And so I think the whole, their whole mantra was it's personal. And Mm -hmm. I think that that kind of played into their performance. And now you get these two big victories and now you're playing a, a program that's somehow worse than Colorado. It's a rivalry game. It's an in-state rivalry game. I get that. But this is like a game where, especially with a team and a roster and a program that isn't very used to winning and therefore not very used to handling success and all the the accolades that come with it, um, this will be very impressive to me if they just kind of win like 48 to 10 or something, like just some solid like workmanlike victory. Um and I, I think it can happen just because if anybody can tell a roster how to handle success, it is Deion Sanders because the guy has been nothing but successful in his entire football playing and now coaching career. And he's just always proved people wrong, whether it was you can't play baseball and football at the same time. You can't play in the baseball postseason and the NFL postseason at the same time. You can't play both ways, offense and defense in the NFL um, in this day and age. It just can't happen. It just Dude, he just keeps doing it. So um, in a weird way, like beating TCU in Nebraska really got my attention that, yes, he is he is that guy. Beating Colorado State, to me, would show that, no, this he could be on to something, and he could be on to something with Colorado um, this season. Well, that wraps up our, uh, our our week two kind of recap stuff. We're going to look at the to week three. We got OU going to Tulsa. I think the last time they went to Tulsa was 2014, um, when that cornerback whose name I can't remember got completely uh, burned down the sideline. That we're all super excited for. I think it was Jordan Thomas? Question mark. You're you're talking about in Manasaur. Oh, Manasaur, Manasaur. That's right. Just got completely destroyed. Turn us in. Uh, 
could not nothing. I, we were all like, here we go. Then <laughs> Tulsa is burning them down the sideline. But OU is going to Tulsa uh, first time since 2014. They play, according to SP+, the 73rd ranked offense and the 123rd ranked defense to give you a, a comparative point arkansas state when OU played them had the 110th rated defense uh ou is uh expected at a uh, 20 a minus 27 uh favorite i uh you know depending looking at those sp plus numbers i would would basically venture to guess ou should uh cover that <laughs> uh but ou is playing a, a team that does not seem very good Kevin Wilson is there coaching. He seems like he has a long road ahead of him to get Tulsa uh, back to respectability, which Tulsa uh, recently uh, has been a very respectable group of five football team. It's not that the moment I would expect OU to kind of walk in, uh, make a big win in a recruiting area OU desperately needs to be stronger in uh, to kind of keep the Arkansas Razorbacks out of it and some of these other uh, people and uh, maybe impress uh, uh, the uh, the Tulsa kid that they're on right now. Um Brady, what do you think uh, coming up for this Tulsa game? Uh, how do you see the game game coming through from your side? Uh, OU at the Golden Hurricane. So the pessimist in me is kind of waiting for the offense to have a long stretch of not looking good because, I mean, Lebby called it what it was. Like, it was a distraction. And I already think he's kind of a um, – let me choose my words carefully here. I think he's got a very strong ego. And then I feel that at times it um, undermines not only himself, but the team. And I could see him trying to like really try to force the issue. Whereas last week he mattingly didn't try to force the issue at all, even though there were so many times where SMU is not dropping like all these guys back. They're not doing anything spectacular. Would you just beat them downfield please once to like kill them? So I don't have to watch this game that intently in the second half. Um, I, I feel like there might be a, you know, I think, I think this was Kansas actually. Was that, was that Kansas with Jalen Hurts where the offense was awful in the first half and OU was barely winning? I could see something like that happening and then OU just destroys Tulsa because they're just not very good. OU's a 26 point favorite for a reason, but um, I would like to see, I would like to see um, a little bit more of an onus to get like the machine rolling for conference play in terms of personnel. Okay. What guys do you want to roll out there at the wide receiver position? Like who are, who are the guys? Um, and of those guys, what roles do they have? Is, is Andrew Anthony like the X is he, is he going to be the guy that goes downfield? Is he going to be the go-to receiver or is that Jalil Farouk? Because in his, I mean, he only has two catches on the year and that second one was a badass play by a grown ass, badass football player. Um, running back position. I guess I'll disagree a little bit with Allen. Um, I don't mind seeing Tawi Walker run the ball a lot, especially if it's a, if, if it's a lot more than Marcus Major. Um, if Javante <laughs> Barnes and Gavin Sawcheck are going to be the guys, um, if they're injured, of course, I don't want them to play. They don't look injured, so play them and run the football with them so we can stop with this Marcus Major Make-A-Wish Foundation. He does all the right things. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of of seeing that bog down the offense. Just whenever the offense gets clicking against Tulsa, whether that hopefully be in the first quarter or at some point during the game, just don't let your foot off the gas and just do it because they need to get in a good rhythm offensively. I think they're already in a good one defensively. They need to get in a good one um, for their road trip against Cincinnati because, you know, we 
looked at the schedule, we kind of had our assumptions about each team. And now two weeks into the year, we're thinking, oh, Cincinnati might be a little bit better than we thought. And that's the first big road test for this team. Um, so they're going to need to get all the momentum they can have and confidence offensively, especially going in uh, to that game on the road against Cincinnati. Alan, you know, luckily for Jeff Levy, uh, they're playing against what seems to be a very porous defense uh, in, in Tulsa. Uh, sadly, what's worse for Levy is that, you know, last time OU was there, we had some Mark Browles controversy at that point in time that I'm sure some people are going to tie together uh, based on what happened this past weekend and, and the Tulsa sideline stuff that happened, uh, I, th- I believe, the last time they played. Um, wh- what are your overall thoughts of this game? I mean, again, I don't know how deep we can get into some of these games because OU just should just be so, you know, worlds different than, uh, I mean, they're playing the same sport, but they may as well not be at this point in time. You know, conference play starts uh, fairly soon. But what do you think about this Tulsa team as uh, OU walks into it? Well, here we go. Okay, so the last time Tulsa and Oklahoma played, it was actually 2015, and it was actually in Norman, the year before they had played in Tulsa. But that year, OU won 52-38. Uh, Tulsa completed 34 or 51 passes for 427 yards and four touchdowns with no interceptions. So, you know, <laughs> we can avoid something like that. It's a good start. But uh, in all seriousness, I mean, Tulsa's, Tulsa's rebuilding everything. I mean, it's, a, it's you know, and, and they they don't, I mean, you know, Kevin Wilson's got a, a, a lot there kind of on his plate. The weird thing about this game to me is actually the point spread. Like, this is normally a game where you'd expect OU to be laying like 30 points, and it opened with OU minus 23. So I, I don't know what what's going on there, if that's a tempo thing or if they <laughs> – or what. But um, I, I'm kind of interested just to see uh, what, what's up with that, you know? I mean, like, I don't know. But – Brady mentioned it. I really am more interested at this point in seeing how they're going to, if if we get a better idea of what they're going to do with uh, different personnel, particularly the skill positions. Um, let's see them doing more rotating, especially if, uh, you know, especially actually while the game is still competitive is one thing I'd like to see, not just save everybody for the second half. Work some guys in there, man. Jaden Gibson, Petaway, uh, Nick Anderson, and then the running backs too. Let's see what they can do, uh, you know, before the game's out of hand yeah i, I see it now i think on, on the animation i had at ou minus 27 ou as of four hours ago i believe is now minus 27 and a half so if you could have got it at the what did you say 23 i'm I'm pretty sure circa opened it at 23 on sunday yeah if you could have got 23 you're, you're doing pretty good <laughs> potentially at that point in time uh I, i'm looking at some of the other ones they had here um against uh, Washington just last week. OU, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Washington was uh, a, a 33 and a half point favorite. Uh, now uh, it's up to 27 and a half for OU. Uh, maybe there was something kind of going on. Maybe how they played against Washington, or may, I don't know. Maybe it's just how OU's performance. Because I will say, OU's performance against SMU, which they took a top, you know, again, depending on how much you want to look into SP Plus, took a top 25 offense and basically shut them down. Um, oh, he's getting like very, very little credit <laughs> uh, uh, for that defensive performance uh, uh, mainstream. Um, and again, you know, there's a lot of weirdness to happen and everything of that nature. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be kind of 
I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys see as well. OU's not getting any benefit of the doubt this year. Like, they're going to have to prove it and prove it again and prove it again. I mean, OU could be undefeated going to Texas, and I didn't. It'll be, uh, you know, there'll be a borderline top 15 team. Uh, it, it does seem like this uh, uh, voting behavior at this point in time. Good. Good. We won six uh, games Matt, last year. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You got to prove it all the way, prove it. Uh, you know, Colorado won uh, one game, and they're already uh, ranked very similarly to OU at this point in time. Uh, uh, but Matt, franchise you guys uh, you know the the flagship carrying all the ou games uh what, what's your process what's your thought process of this tulsa game and, and more maybe more importantly do you guys how do you guys handle away games i'm not i'm not fully are you going to tulsa what's going on there no we will, we will not be Sad. going to tulsa or anything like that but uh yeah you can still hear the game on, on 107.7 i think we'll do some pregame stuff still just in studio back in oklahoma city so uh yeah no, looking forward to it man uh, i think on Friday, we're going to have TJ Eckert on from uh, KTUL. He's he's up there in Tulsa, so he'll be uh, telling us all about the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, which um, that's – I mean, that's his job, to follow Tulsa, and it's not mine. So I don't don't know much about <laughs> Tulsa, frankly. So I get to uh, get to talk to TJ about that and uh, looking forward to it because TJ is awesome. And plus, anytime he comes down, I just make it a point to say, hey – your city doesn't have a skyscraper. Ours, ours does. So, suck oh, it, TJ. That's, that's nice. So, when you're in the pregame, <laughs> when you're doing the pregame, are you guys going to be on the walkie-talkies again, or do you think it'll be a little different this time? <laughs> it'll be a little different. It'll be actual microphones and everything okay. like that in studio. Nothing that I can fuck up. I don't think. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, let's walk through our predictions here. Uh, I have uh, OU covering. I'm not going to be like the cowards uh, in Vegas. Have OU 55, uh, the Golden Hurricane uh, 10. I think OU uh, is able to kind of crack its neck against an extremely bad defensive football team and hold itself pretty well. I do want to see if there's any sort of emotional uh, lull from OU maybe as we're kind of walking through this. But maybe it's just like the taste of last year. Uh, Not for sure it happens. Uh, Alan, what's your score prediction so I can make this cool animation? I'll say, man, I mean, let Venables isn't going to want to run it up on uh, Kevin Wilson, his boy. Oh, no, true. Uh, true, true, true. I'll say 41 to 13. 41, 13. If Matt. We ha- if we have the opportunity to run up the score, I hope Brent doesn't go Bob, and I, I hope he does <laughs> run it up on Kevin. What he'll uh, do is he'll try to run it in from the fourth and like from the one yard line and get stopped. Put in, <laughs> put in actual DeMarco Murray. Uh, give me 38-10. I'm biting the cheese on the defense. Biting the cheese on the defense, LaVeya. So am I, so am I. Brady, prediction here. Tulsa Tulsa Golden Hurricane, Oklahoma Sooners. What's the final say, prediction? I'm going to say OU 58-24 to 24 because I feel like the defense is just due for a bad little stretch. A couple too much fuck good, ups, basically. Too much, too much good has happened, but there have been a little bit of seeds of Billy Bowman. What the fuck are you doing? I don't like that. Yeah, I, I bet Brett had him had that on 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 like repeat over and over again. Go get the football. Don't wait for it to come to you. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And just, they should have had a touchdown, Billy, when you got juked out of your shoes. They should have had a yeah. touchdown, but Preston Stone overthrew his guy by ten yards. The worst throw of the game next to his interception. Uh, now for the rest of the uh, the uh, week three look ahead, we uh, all three of us picked a, all four of us potentially picked a game to talk about. Uh, Brady, you started us off with uh, 
Oh, we, we, both, we both picked the exact same game, so we'll both talk about it. Uh, Kansas State and Missouri. Man, we've got another former Big 8 thing we're talking about here. What, what are you looking at for uh, Kansas State and Missouri? I'm assuming you're hoping K-State uh, put Strinkowitz out of a job. Well, I, I mean, Kansas State's going to beat the shit out of them. Missouri's not good. Uh, they damn near lost to Middle Tennessee State um, last week, and they kind of flirted around with whatever crap program they played in their first game. I think Missouri fans booed. And so I guess that was like number six on the rules for the Missouri fan base, whatever that video that came out on Twitter <laughs> um, to boo the, uh, boo the, boo the team. But Missouri's not good. Kansas state, obviously we know what their pedigree is. Um, they're, I still don't really know what they are in terms of like the grand scheme of the big 12. I think most people probably rank them behind Texas at this point because everyone is still giving OU or like they, they don't give OU the benefit of the doubt. And I, I don't think we deserve it still at this point. So um, I just, I want to see in a game on the road um, with Kansas state against a power five opponent um, you're going to win. Like I, I have no doubt about that, but it would tell me, it would tell me a lot about them and kind of, in terms of where they rank in the big 12, in terms of like big 12 championship race, if they beat the shit out of Missouri, or if they kind of flirt around with them and win kind of a sloppy game that this will tell me a little bit more about Kansas state. So that's why I'm kind of keep my eye on that one. Plus I want to see Missouri lose as many games as possible because uh, I just want really good defensive linemen. Just really want them. And maybe, maybe, maybe one of them will come to the, come to his senses. Yeah, I, I'm I'm paying attention to this K State game as well, uh, for obvious recruiting reasons. But I did have KSU going ten and two uh, coming into this year. Uh, I think this is a a, you know, a game that could potentially be used to maybe kind of judge the season, this early season. Obviously, off that, I mean Missouri does have some talent. They are an SEC team. You know, they do recruit better historically and better. You know, uh, 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 whatever I'm trying to say uh, recently than uh, Kansas State, so it's to be a chance to see there. Uh, uh, Brady, you also you had K State at eight and four, I believe. Allen, you had Kansas State at seven and five. So maybe this isn't as as much of a bellwether as uh, I have them at. I, I'm needing uh, Kansas State to kind of really show out and show that they have some ability to replace some edge players and running back and some uh, position, you know, some uh, impact positions. Uh, and I think Missouri could be a, a nice good first test as a uh, K-State kind of walks into the, the rest of the season uh, here. But Alan, do you have any thoughts on that uh, Kansas State, Missouri, old big eight rivalry coming back? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Missouri won. Um, last year, you know, Kansas uh, State, I mean, really whooped them and uh, kind of ran it up on them. Um, I just, uh, this year, five again, five points is kind of a suspicious line. Um I think uh, I'd be looking maybe for maybe at the upset here. So you guys know what that means. Pound <laughs> yeah, KSU. I was gonna say you've seen how I've done so far this year, right? So <laughs> yeah, if you're not if you're not on the on the pick'em on the Yahoo pick'em, uh, maybe uh, maybe maybe stay away. Uh, <laughs> Alan, Alan, if it all a, it all equals out at the end. If you had a year, Alan, where you were becoming aware of like, man, like my pick of the week is just awful. And then the OU game came up. Would you then try to reverse it and just say, "I'm going to pick um, Texas, Texas <laughs> to destroy Oklahoma"? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I guess do like the uh, the George Costanza, like, "Oh, I'm going to do the opposite of what uh, what I think." You know, I've, I've never I've never gone that down that road. You know, uh, 
normally, you know, the early parts of college football seasons from a betting standpoint are, are, are super volatile. Um, and I kind of think, uh, I imagine we'll start to see things kind of uh, normalize here in the next couple of weeks. That's the way it normally goes for me, at least. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with it at all. Nothing wrong with it at all. I will say, based on some of our predictions, uh, we a lot of us are wrong about Bar- about Barnes and Sawchuck, uh, but Allen may have a, a pretty good hit on a Stutzman here, uh, 95 overall tackles and uh, three sacks for the year. Uh, but his Farouk uh, predictions may not be working Ooh, out the way we want it to yeah. either. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be circling back on that uh, probably about week four or so, getting the third way of the season. Uh, Matt, KSU, uh, um, Missouri, I mean, What's your general feeling on that game? I'm kind of with Alan. When I saw that line, just it it felt a lot like the Baylor Utah line of last week and the Tech Oregon line of last week, where I was like, "This is well, this is the case normally, right? Where Vegas knows something that I don't know." But those are the ones where I really look at it, and I'm like, "They definitely know something that I do not know." Now, both both Utah and Oregon ended up covering, but they were close games. Like Texas Tech was. Um, I think leading through like the middle part of that, that game. That Oregon, if you had bet tech, which I did, that was a horrific beat. Horrific. Right, right. Oh my God. The kid, yes, it was the dreadful. Kid just fall, fallen down. What was he doing? Well, that's it, was, what... it was dreadful. Yeah, the tech game, tech who I had going 10 and 2 uh, and played two games in which they should have won. <laughs> just finding new, they're nebraska themselves through the season so far. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm... It's, this is the kind of line that stuck out to me like it did last week. And um, I would just, if I was like betting, I would just stay far away from it as far away as possible. But if you're making me pick, I'll pick Kansas State because I think I had them somewhere around like nine and three, 10 and two, too. So don't worry, man. I'm pulling up your, I'm pulling up your message that you sent me with all the, I think the it was nine there. and three. Let's see here. You had Kansas K-State. State. Nine and three. Yeah, Look at you right go. there. Look at hey, you're still there. So need this one. We it. need this one. Yeah, we need it. We need it. This is how we win. Yeah, this E-maw. is how we win. Ema, baby. Um and then the other game for from week three, because uh, Alan and I picked the same then we have a was it Southern Alabama and uh OSU? Which OSU is that one? That would be the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oklahoma the State. Oklahoma the State. The Oklahoma State. <laughs> The brightest orange. So what uh, What sort of sicko committee uh, were you running to pick this game as your uh, game to highlight for week three? Well, like, I still, man, Oklahoma State is just bizarre. Like, it's just a strange, strange team, man. Like, three quarterbacks playing. Uh, you know, they went out and played a really weird game against Arizona State last week. Uh, you know, this is one of those kinds of opportunities if you're a program like South Alabama to uh, come and kind of, you know, make a statement. Um, I I was more I, I I thought that there was a better chance before the season of South Alabama winning this game after having watched them uh, against Tulane I think in week one I wasn't quite as impressed but man like it just OSU just doesn't seem to have enough firepower like I, they I can't can see, run the football either yeah the whole thing it's just it's not going well uh, so I think uh, I, I think I would you know. You know, again, spreads only seven points. Like again, I keep an eye out here. They can't run the football. They're playing three different quarterbacks, so who knows if they're going to be able to throw the football that day? It's where they had zero rushing yards at halftime against yeah, Arizona State. It's bad, man. That's wild. I didn't know that was possible. Uh, was there like sacks or anything, or just like they just couldn't, they just weren't running. They they weren't able to run it. Wow. 
they were not wow. able to run against Arizona State. Now they finished absolutely with, well. Finished, I think, like 115 or something rushing yards. So they ran it well in the second half. But yeah, it's not bad for a half. You know, getting blanked in the first half by Arizona State. I, weird. I have zero thoughts on this game other than it's wild uh, that we're talking about it. Uh, but Oklahoma State, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I figured they would be bad, and they do seem to be bad rating wise. Uh, but I also thought, well, with their schedule, they should win six or seven games. Uh, and I think maybe that's still possible. But yeah, if if Alabama, yeah, if I'm South, if I'm South Alabama, uh, this is it. I'm like hell yeah, <laughs> let's let's try to get this done. Let's let's get a let's get a, a you know a nice uh, signature win on, on the record there. Uh, Brady, I know you've had some fiery thoughts when it comes to the uh, professionalism of Oklahoma State during this divorce. What do you think about Oklahoma State and uh and this game coming up this week? I think they suck. And um, <laughs> who's quarterbacking this shitty team? All is three. It, is it Mike's kid? He's one of them. Yeah, I think it's been all. I think all three have continued to play. Is that not right? Yeah. I talked to uh, we interviewed Jacob Unruh today, who covers Oklahoma State, and he said that they're basically like every fourth series, they're they're subbing out. It's amazing that to watch. <laughs> it's amazing. Wild. Why did Alan Bowman go to OSU? And maybe that's why. Maybe he was told, don't worry, you're not going to play every single series because we value your health and safety. So come <laughs> come to Stillwater. Yeah, I mean, it actually sounds like a pretty good deal to me. He got the win, you know? Right. He didn't have to play the whole game. He's like, oh, shoosh. I actually, uh, I actually had um, another game to talk about if we, if we wanted to. Yeah. I didn't put it in there, but. Uh, just we're on this we're on this Zoom call. I just need a hand check from everyone real quick. Because uh, Washington is going up to Michigan State, so hand check everyone on this call real Ooh. quick. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. <laughs> Not very good. Not very good up there for uh, who, who, for Mel who's Tucker. coaching? Who's coaching Michigan State? Weren't they well, going to bring the, uh, uh, former coach. back? Uh, the, the interim is the defensive backs coach. I know he played there. I don't know. I I wish you would have said Kerry Cooks. <laughs> no. Yeah, not good for Michigan State. It's uh, no. terrible, and that stuff is frankly gross. If you go and God. and read through it, pretty. If you gross. read through it, it's gross, and if you read through Michigan State fans on Twitter, worse. Don't do it. Yeah. Oh God, are, <laughs> do they, are they doing a, do it? Are they doing a Coach Mel Tucker like a Coach Art Bryles thing or? Uh... It, Kind of. You know, oh, so, uh, I thought they hated uh, that. They... There's a lot of like, oh, it's really convenient after he signs his contract. This pops that type of yep. stuff, and it's not. Well, I thought good. that they hated that he signed that <laughs> well, contract. I so I thought saying, they'd be yeah. like, yeah, get rid y'all, of him. Y'all show. Some yeah, respect. but that was before their coach. <laughs> show <laughs> some respect. Mel Tucker is someone's father-in-law. Okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of his family. Um, but that walks us through uh, the week through. Thank you so much, ending on that very, very poor, tasteless joke, Matt. Uh, thank you. I mean, that's what we'll be remembered for. Mm. Yeah, uh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect segue to, uh, I guess, now we've gone through all the football talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about the optical situation that uh, Oklahoma found itself in uh, after the football game. And now thank you so much, uh, Jeff Levy. Now I know before the football game as well. So thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. Uh, the Jeff Levy uh, situation, the art of it all, as I said on uh, the Patreon podcast, uh, no cap recap. Uh, if you have lived under a rock and you're OU football fan, uh, you will not know that Art Bryles was seen on the sideline on 
uh, Owen Field wearing team-issued uh, Oklahoma gear, uh, palling with uh, Jeff Levy and potentially interacting uh, one-to-one with other OU coaches uh, on the field, resulting in uh, Jeff Levy being asked about this in the press conference and giving an extremely, extremely dismissive uh, answer to a well-respected journalist, sports journalist in the Oklahoma City area, which whose name I cannot remember at this point in time. That's how well-respected he is. Thank you so much. Uh, Showing extreme uh, dismissive tone to uh, a situation, potentially things overrated. Then at that point in time, after saying it was only uh, after the game, he came down with his family to be with his family, um, changed his Instagram picture of him with Art Bryles and his two uh, two children on the field before the game. <laughs> so congratulations on contradicting yourself there immediately. Um, and then putting OU a football team uh, in program uh, in a complete uh, media circus from then on straight forward. Uh, Alan, I tried to put it much as much as I could there uh, straight to the fact uh from your from your perspective as someone who is you know thinking about this basically what i'm trying to say is i have a very emotional response to this i'm gonna try to think of you as more level-headed than i am uh just what the fuck <laughs> i guess i mean if you could sum it up from a fandom uh perspective of art bryles in ou team issued gear on the field and the dude's thinking this is fine I, I want to have a career after this, but this is cool. <laughs> it just doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, if you want the a very kind of level-headed look at this, like separate out the fact that it's Art Bryles, right? And instead, just think about it like this. Jeff Levy, throughout his career, is a habitual line stepper <laughs> in the words of the late charlie murphy habitual habitually in gotta, 2000 that no that, tulsa, check that tulsa game that we were talking about earlier in 2015 he showed up on the sidelines during the game on the tulsa sideline that is a blatant blatant violation of ncaa rules big 12 rules all i mean and you know it was dumbfounding right he's we all know about all the different things that he was, you know, the involvement there in Baylor at Baylor afterwards, thumbing his nose at, at all their critics at you know, acting like that his father-in-law was the one who was wronged and all this. I have, so again, a habitual line stepper. Oh, you knew that when they hired him, Joe Castiglione made a point of talking about expectations with Levy and all the vetting that had gone into the process of hiring, right? So, like, it doesn't even, it, you don't even have to, like, bring up the fact that that we're talking about Art Bryles here. Yeah. He, he, he went, you know, OU vouched for him, and he, he not only, you know, didn't live up to the expectations that were set for him, I mean, then he had the audacity to wave his ass at the program, you know, on Sunday with all the stuff about with the social media posts. And on top of that, you know, he comes out with this statement where he apologizes for creating a distraction, which is, again, a, a bit like me saying, I'm, I'm sorry if, if, if you were offended. You know, it's, it, it's <laughs> yeah. not it's not a true apology for, for anything. So, I mean, my question in this case is like, 
I I think that that the idea that Joe Castiglione or Brent Venables don't need to answer for whatever process was put in place to monitor Levy or whatever expectations were made uh, clear to him, you know, I, I don't think that that's an unreasonable thing to ask for. And it's, and it's a matter, not just a, I don't, it's not about wanting to burn Venables and Castiglione under the stake. It's about like showing like, this is the, this is the, these are the protocols we put in place. These are the standards that we set. And then talking about, you know, was there some type of miscommunication? Did did Levy misunderstand what happened, uh, what what he was allowed to do? I mean, I have a hard time believing that, but whatever. My 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 point here being, like, it's it's basic principles of leadership that when a public there's yeah. a public fiasco like this, to address it. And you know what? I've had a million people hitting me up on Twitter saying. You know, they don't, Brent Venables, you know, Joe Castillo, they don't owe you anything. You're right. They don't. They really, they really don't owe me no. anything. But I also don't owe them like the idea of, oh, I'm going to trust them after. I mean, this wasn't, it, it, people were like, oh, well, you don't think that they did their job here? No, I think that they didn't do their job clearly when they vetted him and hired him because whatever it was, it, the, this felt, you know, this still happened and he's still employed there. I don't I, I'm not I haven't said a word about firing Levy or talking to or or firing Venables Castiglione, none of that. But it's just a matter of this is like how you show that you're an adult and you, you stand up there and you say this is what we why we did what we did. It's 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 not only like about like being an adult or leadership, but it's also just about like showing like the organization has some resiliency or has some introspection. Like that's, these are easy, easy principles. And it's, I just don't understand why uh, that's not being done. Well, just because it's easy, uh, it doesn't mean it's easy to do i guess it's easy to me easy to identify doesn't mean it's it's easy to do because like that's the stuff i'm kind of blown away they trotted jeff levy out there on monday he gave his thing and said i will not be talking about it anymore we're talking about tulsa you know and everyone kind of said okay you know from that perspective and uh brent had this press conference today and i'm assuming just wasn't asked in any way shape or form about this as, as the as the leader of the oklahoma football program uh you know the ad wasn't there like no one said anything i mean the, the biggest news i heard from that press conference is that Deshaun mccullough seems like he's good to go <laughs> you know that that's about it they didn't speak this at, at all at all and the the issue i have with it is you trot jeff levy out there you make him apologize what are you actually making him apologize what is he apologizing for all he's going to say is i am the guy they hired in the first place i'm sorry i mean like this is like you said this is who he is he was part of that. He, you know, didn't take things to where they should have been taken. You know, he he was, you know, in those positions, did these things. And like, what is he, what is he actually apologizing for? Like that, that's the point where a lot of people are like, well, what do you want yeah. him to do? Apologize for being who he is that we always knew who he was. <laughs> the people who should be apologizing at this point in time, in my personal opinion, is Brent Venables and Joe Casigan-Leone, and they should be publicly saying, Here's why we hired him. Here's the vetting process we used. And here's the, and the you know, because Joe said there were boundaries put in place. If that, that, I mean, that means you knew this sort of thing was unacceptable to begin with. 
if they're, I don't know. I want to know what those boundaries were. I want to know what they are. I want to know what things have been put into place. And also to then say, why did we have to put those in place? Because Art Bryles oversaw Baylor football program, which saw 50 plus sexual assaults or rapes perpetrated by 30 plus football players that were overseen by Art Bryles, who did not elevate it to the to the people of need or to police uh, to try to handle. But the thing is, if you say that out loud, then it becomes like, as Alan said, then why the fuck did we hire Jeff Levy? <laughs> it's like it just instantly everything disappears. It's no longer a football issue. It's a humanity issue. And the people on Twitter, and again, I know we're fans of the same football team, but if you're going to sit there and say, like, can a grandfather just not see his kids? Or the one I think I retweeted is like, you know, if could you if you go to your parent-teacher conference and someone says your grandfather can't come because of XYZ, it's like, well, what the fuck is XYZ? Like, yeah. you're, 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 you're brushing over all of the rape and the horrible stuff that happened and that was covered up. Like that, I'm... And the thing is, is that Art has never apologized because if Art apologizes, that means he's admitting fault or some uh, culpability to the situation. He continues to play the victim. And what he's trying to do is, you know, it's how you boil a frog. It's there are people who I'm assuming only know Art Biles is a bad guy. And that's it. They don't know why. It's it's, this. He actually got hired by somebody in 2022 to be offensive coordinator. Like by Grambling hired him and he had to resign. I mean, He's one step away from actually getting a job now. I mean, it, the, it's, it's, he's getting closer and closer and closer, and he's never going to stop. It doesn't seem that he's shown any sort of remorse. And Lebby, for grandfather or not, to his children or not, is only implication by association at that point in time, also implication by his own damn actions, and then also just supporting that endeavor by allowing him to be seen, allowing him to be part of the program in any sort of an informal way. Uh, fans of OU football need to see it from that perspective. There's, 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 a, there's a man trying to get one over on you. <laughs> Just maybe look at it from that part if that's all you can think of it as. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the part. Like, I talked about this a lot when we asked, like, why is OU football what it is, right? And it's not like something that happens overnight. I mean, it's literally like almost a hundred years of like a lot of fan support, you know, blood, sweat, tears, money, all those things. Right. And, you know, Jeff Levy and Art Bryles doesn't, and Art Bryles don't get to use that to launder their reputation. Right. Like, you know, yeah, you're right. Brent, Brent Venables and Joe Castiglione don't owe me anything, but I mean, all of us with our support, we make OU football in a certain sense what it is. It's a public trust. And yeah. right now, it just stuff like that just makes it look like Levy's saying they're just wiping his ass with it. I I, I and I know you wanted you were looking for like a level headed take, but <laughs> like I mean, I, I do I can I can even it's just he doesn't get to do that. No. It's, it's not right. He doesn't get to do it. And he doesn't get to do it, and I apologize for the dogs. When you've got people on staff, I mean, I don't. I mean, you, you've got Seth Latrell just sitting there. <laughs> you've got you. You got people who are just sitting there who could easily just step into it. So I don't know, Brady. Hell, I know you can Emmett, only say so much. Hell, you've got Emmett Jones sitting there. Now, um, if they don't feel like it's something that they need to apologize for, then I guess what the hell does my opinion matter? Um, I'm disappointed that. It didn't come up today. It's it's odd. 
It's very weird. Um, I just kind of feel gross about the whole thing, guys. It's yeah, I, I'm a practical person. He's his father-in-law. He's going to be in the stadium watching his son play when he's got time or when he wants to. Like I or his son-in-law, excuse me. I get that. Like I'm not saying he can't sit in the damn stadium, buy a ticket, and do whatever. It's just being on the field and dabbing it up with like other coaches. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who I am. We're all coaches. We're all part of this brotherhood. No, no, no. Alan said it right. You don't get to use OU football to launder your reputation back into, you know, the offensive analyst at Southern Miss. So you can just get your snot slimy little hands back into college football coaching. So nah, I like I, I'm not cool with it. And if you if you just wanna blah la 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 OU football, I just want OU football to be successful. Like, okay, cool. I want OU to win too. OU's gonna win when with or without Jeff Levy. Um I mean, at this point, guys, we are just kind of waiting for him to get his head coaching position, right? Like, that's it. I didn't want I I didn't yeah. want him hired in the first place. There are practical reasons why he was hired. Uh, Lincoln Riley left us in a very very bad position where we we didn't we didn't get to have the pick of the litter in every single coaching situation. Um, so we had to settle for Jeff Lebby in some some you know term. But I didn't want him for the Baylor reason. I didn't really want him for the offensive philosophy reason. So do your thing here. Be successful because that's good for OU football, and then get the hell out of here. See you later. Take your father-in-law with you. Yeah, my assumption is, uh, you know, Brent Venables comes from a, a different sort of line of college football. You know, obviously under the uh, Snyder and uh, Bob Stoops, uh, you know, trees at that point in time. You know, I remember it was it was a it was a badge of honor for Bob Stoops for a very long time to say he never fired a coordinator. That they all went and got different jobs. My assumption is, uh, uh, Jeff Lebby will be uh, Stoopsed. Out of uh, out of the offensive coordinator job, uh, he'll be taking uh, the next job uh, out of Norman at the end of this year. I am nobody. I'm not connected in any way, shape, or form. It just does not seem the juice is worth the squeeze at this point in time. We'll be seeing Levy do something. Brady had yeah. a finger up. Well, here's here's the the big thing that people would be asking at that point: Does Jackson Arnold follow him? If you want to follow Jeff Levy at this point, Jackson, go right ahead. That's all yeah. I would have to say. Yeah, it's the whole thing. The program isn't bigger than, you know, is, is pardon me. The program is bigger than one person. Like, oh, you will find another quarterback if that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, and yeah, we'll find another offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think I saw, I, I, I mean, I, I said this on the, the Patreon pod about all this, but I'll just say it here. I said this on on radio on Monday as well. If you've forgotten or anything about what happened at Baylor, it was one of the worst scandals in college football history, right up there with Joe Paterno, two of the worst scandals that have ever happened in college football. If you've forgotten about that, go back and read it. Go back and read everything that happened. Was it 50, yeah. 50 plus sexual yeah. assault cases? If that doesn't bother you, if you go back, read it, and that, that stuff doesn't bother you, you don't care about that, have the women in your lives read that and then listen to them. Listen to what they have to say about that. And see if it bothers them, because I'm sure I'm sure as shit that it does. So that's all I have to say about that. And yeah, it's 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 terrible. I I think we're all in agreement. We all have gone around the table saying that we didn't like Jeff Levy getting hired either, uh, simply because for me, uh, 
there are offensive gurus and offensive coordinators out there that weren't linked to all the Baylor shit. So yeah, I mean, you could have you could have got the uh, the Arkansas OC. No, I'm joking, joking, joking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hell, you probably you probably could have got Seth Luttrell. Like, you want to get out of North yeah, Texas just immediately? Yeah. Please, thank you so much, God. Well, uh, whatever, listeners, I want to say thank you so much for for listening to the first half of this. It was very football related, and the second half of this being very uh, moral and ethically related. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want to continue supporting us, remember it's at patreon.com slash through the keyhole or just subscribe uh, and this will come into your uh, lovely ear devices uh, every Tuesday we do our public podcast during the season uh, if you're on the Patreon we have a, uh, a no cap recap which are un- un- unfiltered thoughts of the OU football game uh, we also have a midweek um, opponent preview which I'll be interviewing Steve Helwick about the uh, Tulsa game he uh, writes for Underdog Dynasty he covers all almost all the G5 teams for uh, SB Nation it seems like if we would have listened to that uh, in the SMU preview, you would have you would have heard Steve Helwick mention the uh, SMU's defensive line and how they would try to slow down the offensive uh, rushing attack of Oklahoma, and they did a pretty decent job at it. So maybe give a chance to tune in. Uh, we also have picks trying not to suck coming up, film review coming up, just tons of stuff always all season long and on the Patreon. So please hit us up. Thank you so much, Vanessa House Scratch Spirit Shop. They deliver. Hit them up, uh, Matt Allen Brady. Boomer! Yeah.